Our sermon this morning is based on Galatians chapter 4. We read, But when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. This is God's word. Well, I I said it once already this morning, but happy new year to all of you. And it's nice, isn't it? It's It's a brand new year. It's a chance to to hit the refresh button on everything, and to just get a clean slate to start new. Whether you had a a good 2022 or a bad one, it's old news now. Time to to move on. And maybe you're going to be one of the the millions of people, I don't know, who tries to exercise more this year. Or maybe you're going to try to eat healthier, or you're going to try to spend more time with loved ones, or work more, or work less. Or maybe... You had everything pretty well figured out in 2022, and so your resolution in 2023 is to just maintain all your good habits from last year. As for me, I'm going to be continuing my never-ending pursuits of trying to read more and become a morning person. I don't know, maybe this will be the year that it finally happens. (laughs) But I have to admit, I think the the whole concept of the new year is kind of funny, because what's really all that different about today other than you know, the blizzard that happened last night. But if it wasn't for the calendar to tell us that today is, is different, it would just be an ordinary day. And yet today is unique and today is special because of how we view it. We view it as that chance to refresh and to have that clean slate and to start new. And so really, because that's how we view New Year's Day, it also makes it a great day for us as Christians to really reflect on all the ways that God has made us new in our lives of faith. That's really what our, our sermon text this morning is talking about. The Apostle Paul was writing to the people of Galatia, and that's, that's modern-day Turkey, and that, the, the church in Galatia was a group of people that Paul loved very dearly. They were people that he had brought the gospel to some of them for the very first time, and now that he was away from them, he was afraid that they were falling away from their faith. And so he wanted to remind them of all those ways that God had renewed them when they came to their faith in Jesus. And so that, that process, that renewal, really started with these words. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son. So today with the, the story of Christmas still fresh on our minds, today we're going to consider the significance of that Christmas story and the significance of what God did for us at Christmas. At the perfect time, he sent us his son. And it's kind of impossible to know exactly why that was the perfect time and exactly why Jesus came when he did, but we can definitely make some some observations about that. Jesus was born during a time in history that people call the Pax Romana, the Roman peace, because the, the Roman Empire was so big and it was so strong and it had such a tight grip on that that Mediterranean world where Jesus lived, that there really wasn't much fighting between nations and peoples, and it made for 
really easy travel throughout that huge empire on their, their top-notch Roman road system. And there was also a, a universal language. Just about everybody could speak some Greek, kind of like English is the international language of, of business around our world today. And so in a lot of ways, the time that Jesus was born was a time that information could be spread more easily than ever before in history. And historically and politically, the time that Jesus was born, it makes a lot of sense. But from a religious perspective, it was almost the opposite that was true. It wasn't that God was waiting for people to become more worthy of having a Savior, and that's when Jesus would come, or it wasn't that he waited for the most possible people to believe. No, Jesus came into a world that was full of broken religion and backwards views about God. And really, ever since the, the fall into sin, mankind has never wavered from its state of opposition to God. And so that really makes God's timing a lot more interesting, doesn't it? He sent Jesus into the world at the perfect time not based on our worthiness, but based solely on his love. And so now as we, we kick off this new year, we start the year of our Lord, 2023 AD, we consider again how Jesus being born really was the event that changed all of human history. It changed the way we view the world. It changed the world upside down. It brought everything from old to new. I mean, we, have the, we went from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And we went from God's old covenant, the promise that someday he would send a savior, to God's new covenant, his new promise that whoever believes in that savior will be saved. And so the Bible uses kind of a, an interesting illustration to, to show what that change was like. Uh, it uses an illustration that would have been very very familiar to the Galatians, the original audience, and it's very unfamiliar and uncomfortable to us. Paul talks about how the old to the new covenant really resulted in a, a whole change of relationship between mankind and God. He says that it, we went from approaching God like slaves to approaching God like his children. And I know that slavery is a very touchy topic to talk about. And so to hear that the Bible talks about it can be a little unsettling. So maybe this is a good time for a couple disclaimers that, first of all, the Bible is never in favor of slavery. It more just talks about it as something that existed in the world at that time. And second of all, well, the, the slavery that existed in the times of the Bible is probably a lot different than what we think of in terms of American slavery. And yet, even if it wasn't, even if that was not the case, the, the illustration that the Bible makes still holds true. Because without knowing our Savior, we are separated from God. We have a strained and an estranged relationship with him. We live out of fear toward him. We try to obey him enough that maybe he'll love us. Maybe we can serve him enough that we can earn his favor. And that just fails every single time. And so enter Jesus into this picture. He was born as a human being, under the law, just like all of us are, 
so that by his perfect life under that law, he could buy us back from that slave relationship. Because Jesus has redeemed us, he has taken away that title of slave. We are no longer slaves toward God, and he made us to be God's children. He put us up for adoption into God's family. So because of what Jesus did for us, we no longer live trying to serve and obey God in order to earn his favor, but we live to serve and obey God because we know that we already have his favor. So how do we know that? Well, this morning we read about Jesus being baptized. And Jesus' baptism is kind of different from our baptism because we get baptized for the forgiveness of sins and Jesus had no sin to be forgiven. So maybe we can understand why John the Baptist was a little confused at why Jesus came to be baptized. But Jesus' baptism is like our baptism in this way, that it shows who we belong to. So when Jesus came up out of the water, like we read, there was a loud voice from heaven. God said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now we've had a handful of baptisms here at Light of the Valleys in my four months here. And I don't remember ever hearing any voices from heaven at any of those. And yet I promise you that at every baptism, Every time we baptize somebody in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God says, that's my son, or that's my daughter. This is my child who I love so much, whose very existence is so pleasing to me. Jesus redeemed us to set us free from that old relationship that slave relationship toward God. And he put us up for adoption into the home of a loving father. And at the baptismal font, that's where God signs off on the adoption papers. And he says, from here on out, this is my child. There's no going back now. And that adoption is complete and it is binding. You are God's child. You never have to convince God that he should love you. You never have to remind him that you're his child and that he's your father. I mean, don't you think that your father knows that? He's the one who signed off on the adoption in the first place. And so because we know that, the way that we approach God is completely different, right? We don't approach him as somebody who's afraid to see the way that he'll treat us, but we approach him as children who know with absolute certainty that our Father loves us. And that's just a completely different relationship, isn't it? At the job that I work at when I'm back at school, I have a fantastic boss. He's an extremely generous man. He's a Christian man. And yet the days that I dread the most at work are the days that I have to walk into his office and ask for time off. He has never said no, but... Every time I ask him to pull out that calendar, it still makes me sweat. But my boss also has a son that works there, works for him. And his son's a great guy, too. His son uh, is a new dad. He had a little girl last year. And let me tell you, for the first few months after his daughter was born, Jared did not work a whole lot. He missed a lot of days of work. But for him, I don't think there was any 
you know, nervous walking into the office saying, hey, can I have these days off? No, it was more like, dad, I can't come in tomorrow. And I mean, do you, th- do you think my boss was too upset to hear his son say that he, he couldn't come into work because he had to take care of his adorable little granddaughter? No, the, the relationship of the worker, or to use the Bible's illustration, the slave, and the son toward the father are just completely, completely different. Because we have that new relationship, we get to approach God. If you are confident that God's son, Jesus, is pleasing to you, or pleasing to God, then you should be even more confident that you are pleasing to God. Because at the baptismal font, God took your record of wrongs and threw it out the window. And so now when God looks at you, he sees Jesus. He sees perfection. He sees a forgiven child with whom he is well pleased. Now, I know I said that slave is kind of an uncomfortable word to talk about. I'm guessing for some of us, so is father. I mean, the sad reality of the fact is that our world is so full of bad fathers and absent fathers and failing fathers. And yet, even if you had the best dad in the world, we all have in common that none of our fathers were perfect. But know this, that when you are adopted into God's family, you are welcomed into the home of the only perfect father. And he's the father who will never disappoint and who will always be there for you and will never leave you and will always love you. And he's the, love, he's the father whose love is so perfect and selfless that it's contagious. I mean, we want to love him back in that same way, and we want to love those around us in that same way. As adopted children into God's family, we want to love like God. We love because he first loved us. And to thank God for adopting us into his family, we, we never want to do anything that would put our family in a bad light. Not because we have to earn the love of our father, but because we know that he loves us so much that we'd never want to break his heart. We never want to do anything that would reflect poorly on our family of believers. But we want people to know how fantastic and fulfilling it is to be a part of that family and for them to know that God invites them to be a part of that family too. Speaking of families, the family that you see on the, on the screen there is my family, the, not exactly my immediate family, but the grandpa and the grandma are my aunt and uncle. And so the two younger guys on the sides, those are my cousins and those are their family in the middle. And my, my cousin that's on the left there, he and his wife adopted three little kids when they were babies. And you can see the, the, the three kids, they don't look a lot like their parents, physically speaking. And so I, I suppose as these kids get older, this, this might come up like, hey, Dad, I, I don't look a whole lot like you. What's that all about? So what's my cousin going to say? Is he going to try to convince them that because they look close enough alike, well, that's why they're really his kids? No, that's, that's going to fall flat right away. He's going to explain to them that they're really his kids 
because of the long and happy story of their adoption. He's going to sit down and plop his son or daughter up on his knee, and he's going to tell them the whole story about, you know, your mom and I prayed for you for so long, and we had all these hoops to jump through and all these people to talk to, and then finally that incredibly happy day came when they said we could take you home, and from that day on, you've been my child, and I've been your dad. And the fact that we don't look alike is not a bad thing. It's a wonderful thing. Now, there will be times when you and I don't look like we're members of God's family, not in our physical appearance, but in the way that we live. And that is a bad thing. And yet, to be a Christian means that when temptation does get the best of us, we say, wait, who am I? I'm a baptized child of God. A life of sin is the absolute last thing that I want. And when maybe we don't like who we've started to turn into, and we feel like maybe we're going back to that old relationship with God, and we, we don't exactly know how he's going to treat us because we don't look enough like a member of his family. Well, that's when our Father runs out to meet us, and he wraps us in the robe of his forgiveness, and he tells us again and again, even though we constantly forget, you are my child. I love you. You are pleasing to me. And none of that is up for debate. I hope that the new year is a chance for you to hit refresh on all of the things that got old and just needed a clean start from last year. But even more than, than a new year is a chance for us to refresh. I hope every new day is an opportunity for us to reflect on how God has refreshed our lives. God's mercies are new every morning. And yet how often do we wake up worn down and weighed down by the sins and the mistakes and the regrets of yesterday? We so often try to, to drown our sins with our own sorrow when God has already drowned our sins in the waters of baptism. How much better would it be to wake up every day and forget what we think of ourselves, but remember what God thinks of us and remember what God says about us. You are my child, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. To remember every day our baptism and to not just say, I was baptized like it was this one-time event in the past, but to say, I am baptized. I am a member of God's family. Let that be your outlook in every new day of this new year. Don't let your sins rest and weigh on your own conscience, but let your sins rest in the place that God wants them to rest. Lay your sins on your Savior, the one who redeems you, the one who refreshes you and makes you new. God bless you this new year. Amen. And now the